Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Hello and welcome to FEPS Talks. I'm Charlotte Billingham. I'm the Senior Policy Advisor at FEPS for Climate and I'm joined here today by Javi Lopez, MEP and Chair of PES Environment, Climate Change and Energy Network. Hello, Javi. Hello. Been this by a conference call. And firstly, um, Javi, I mean, I hope the situation in Spain is beginning to improve. Um, you've been very hit by, uh, hard hit by the COVID-19 virus. So perhaps to start off with, you want to tell us a bit about what you think the role of the EU can be in that now? Well, first of all, thank you very much for, for, for having me. It's a pleasure to, to share a conversation with you and uh, use this space. No, um, And as you mentioned, the situation is in Spain, it was uh, really worried uh, the last weeks. Now we are facing a slight decline in the number of deaths and infection. We had almost some days, uh, almost 1,000 uh, deaths per day. Uh, but well, we are seeing this decline of uh, deaths, infections, care units, and uh, the lockdown has been exist- extended uh, until 26th. I think everybody in the country is doing and making a huge effort, you know, and especially our Ministry of Health, trying to coordinate the needs, uh, the health care system, the restrictions of mobility, really tough restrictions, one of the toughest in the, in the European Union. And now we wait, we are waiting for a real response of the European Union. No? And we were quite clumsy as a union the first weeks, to be honest. It was something of Italy and then something of the South and then something of some countries. And well, now we see that it's um, everybody who is involved. It's all the humanity who is involved. Uh, we hope that uh, we can coordinate better. We can uh, show solidarity and work together because in front of this kind of challenges, only with a common answer, we will find a solution. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's good to know the situation's improving in Spain and also, like you say, that the efforts of social distancing and others are others are working. But indeed, the situation is very worrying across the rest of Europe as well. And like you say, I think that people are very much waiting or expecting, let's say, some kind of, like you say, common solution to the problems, that to this huge, awful challenge that we're facing right now. Yeah, and to be honest, like um, how arrived or how it was managed, um, not only like uh, the European Union, also the member states, uh, it was a quite systemic failure now. Uh, because it, it, this was on Ch- in China two, three months ago. Um, we saw it in Asia. And then we thought, well, this is something of Asia and not of Europe. It was always another country who was involved in the problem. No, Even though the United States had the same um, behavior. Uh, trying to deal with with uh, COVID, you know, with the coronavirus. Well, uh, now we are sure that all we are involved in the problem. Uh, it's time to have a common answer, you no, know? a better coordination of our healthcare systems. This is something that we can uh, learn after this crisis. Uh, maybe it's time to build a real uh, health union, uh, something that we don't have because uh, we. Mm, uh, don't have competence in Brussels about how to coordinate this kind of emergencies. But uh, not only this, no, uh, buying material, uh, coordinating the um, research, uh, the innovation, reorientation of our resources, 
sharing information of uh, our science. Um, this is the kind of things that we can do, but not only this, no, and we will have time to talk about that. Also, we have our economic answer and also our democratic answer, because something that is also worried in, in Europe about the COVID is we are seeing some member states and governments that they are using this as an argument to have like um, dictator powers, no, almost. Yeah. Uh, we see like Hungary or uh, Poland. Well, we have these two things that uh, Brussels is really involved, not only health in this crisis, democratic, uh, dimension and economic dimension. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, well, just looking at the Eurogroup meeting um, at the moment, uh, how do you see um, the, the one that's taking place at the moment? What do you think the, the outcome uh, will be? And also in terms of providing support now, but also looking ahead at a far-reaching recovery strategy, what would you like to see uh, coming out of those conclusions? Well, the tone of the discussions uh, and the conversations that we saw in the council and now we see in the Eurogroup, in my personal view, are quite astonishing and shameful, to be honest. Because like we are uh, in front of uh, an emergency, uh, uh, we have thousands of deaths on the table and we are not able to find a common solution using like solidarity, taking into account that we are not only a single market, we are a political community, we should be. And this kind of uh, behaviors that uh, we saw, you know, in these discussions, right, uh, quite arrogant or um, uh, nationalistic approach, you know, uh, trying to avoid how to have uh, common resources, common debt, common fiscal stimulus, in my view, is uh, are astonishing. Um, especially because it's like, well, uh, we had the same discussions 10 years ago and we saw the price that we paid as Europe. We saw the um, grow of the Eurosceptical movements, nationalistic um, um, hate speech, uh, hate speech in our political conversation, uh, while it's time to have a different approach uh, to an emergency. I take into account that it's clear this is not like we can play the, the, the blame game when we are talking about that it's coming from the nature. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it's um, more accepted, uh, well, widely accepted that nature and the way that we um, treat wildlife and habitats is was actually the the problem that provoked this crisis um, from from the beginning. Um, which actually, you know, before the crisis hit, um, this health crisis, let's say, um, other issues had been at the top of the agenda. Climate being one of them, and of course, uh, this was amplified by the Fridays for Future movements and also others, especially uh, the forest fires in the Amazon, in Australia, in Siberia even, as well as what we're seeing is the severe uh, loss of biodiversity, um, which of course culminated just before the crisis hit uh, with the European Green Deal and the climate law proposals. Um, and as you've been saying, some of these have been perhaps um, seem to be derailed uh, somewhat uh, now because of this crisis. But to what extent do you think there'll be a future for those policies, um, as well as continuing, of course, to address the fact that we need to protect lives in the short term, but also looking towards the mid and long term crises? Well, should be, 
I'm sure that uh, should be it will it should be a, a flagship of our recovery, uh, the green agenda. Uh, I'm sure about that. Well, the discussions um, around the the answer, the political answer, also uh, are about the cost of the this hibernation that we are having in our economy, you know, with the uh, lockdown that we are imposing in in our continent. And the true and the reality is uh, we will face a drop of 10, 15, 20 points of our GDP this trimester. This is like all the analysis and the forecasting that we have are talking about that. And then the cost in our industry and in some sectors, it will be huge. And we will need institutional public answer with a lot of resources. I'm sure that the member states uh, will do it. Now we are discussing this complement that uh, should be the European stimulus, uh, this uh, recovery plan or so on. And at the same time, we are having the ECB, no? And um, the uh, Bank of Investments, European Bank of Inve Investments, uh, trying to uh, use all the bazookas that they, they have. Um, and then the question, it should be, we can come back to the point that we had previous to the crisis? And the answer is not. Well, we can minimize the cost of this crisis, but it, it will be not possible to come back to the exactly point that we had before. No, these uh, months will change the world and will change our economy. And then the point is, if we use this uh, enormous amount of resources that we will use it, uh, to this recovery, in this recovery plan, this uh, uh, national budget, the MFF, the, the European budget, to a reorientation of our industry and our economy. And prob probably uh, to, have, to be a more actual, no? uh, to have a more actual uh, economy. And then this is, in my view, completely linked with one of the main uh, purposes of the Commission, that is the Green Agenda. No? If we have to help our industry, transport, it will be aviation, no? uh, indeed, one of the main examples. We will use a lot of resources to help it. Uh, it will be a huge opportunity to actualize the sectors, our economy, our industry, and try to use these uh, needs uh, to mix uh, challenges, no? because at the same time, the climate emergency uh, emergency is still a major threat for our survival. <laughs> and uh, its impact does not feel as immediate and threatening, but uh, we, can, we can't forget that the last year was the second hottest on uh, record, and the past decade was the hottest in the uh, human history. Probably we will not uh, feel the emergency, but it's the same of the of, of of the coronavirus, it's the, exact, exactly the same, no? And then use these recovery plans that we will have it. Use these resources to a real reorientation of our industry to have a real green recovery. It will be the soul of uh, our policies the next years. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think um, a lot of people are with you on that, that saying now is, of course, it's an unfortunate situation, but there is some opportunities, let's say, that can come out of the crisis and also especially now people coming together and this kind of moment as well where we're reflecting. Um, and like you say, um, you highlighted the reason of why uh, the climate law and the sustainable policies are so important, because quite rightly, the later we act, um, the more damage uh, there will be and the more cost it will to be to us in the long run, as you said. Um, perhaps what are the progressive group uh, in the European Parliament 
doing about this at the moment? If you'd like to tell us a bit about that. Well, one of the, uh, first of all, one of the, 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 the problems that we face when we have like crisis, uh, like uh, fires in Europe, is like we, the parliament as an institution, we feel comfortable when we are dealing with um, common legislation, uh, like um, more business as usual. Because when the fire arrived, uh, it's the council who is uh, really dealing with the, the, the challenge, to be honest. But uh, we have been working really hard the last uh, weeks as a political group to have like the, a program to answer the crisis. Uh, we made a, a plan, 25 points action plan for Europe, no? and with different dimensions no? for protect our citizens' health, safeguard our economy, ensure social solidarity, or make sure that uh, we are better prepared for the next time. No? Uh, and climate justice should be uh, considered a long-term uh, strategy with um, a concrete short-term actions. <laughs> and uh, this is what it means, use, using the European Treasury for orientate our policies in terms of climate, using uh, European fiscal rules, and the European semester to orient our uh, national uh, policies uh, in terms of uh, climate. Um, all the European industrial uh, policy uh, should be focused also in our climate goals. Um, we were talking about uh, transport, no? Uh, we are having a huge challenge of the uh, reconstruction of these sectors. Um, and then it could be a good possibility uh, to use it now. And these are, I think, the, the, the points that um, the political group now we are highlighting. Uh, and I'm sure that we will use it in, in our voice, in our legislature procedures. Mm. No, that's great. And it's good to know that climate justice is really at the heart of the progressive policies uh, in the S&D group. And um, I think we'll be following that like you say, for the long-term strategy, and also we're looking and expecting some short-term actions. Um, just a one last question uh, before we yeah. leave, Perhaps a bit more light-hearted uh, question to, to round up uh, our podcast in these times of social confinement. Um, may I ask you, what's your favourite film or uh, book or TV series that you have, that you've been um, following at the moment, perhaps? Well, um, I, I just seen a flipback that it's a series from from uh, BBC. Uh, I watched it in Amazon Prime, and uh, it's uh, really good uh, humor, uh, really British, um, fantastic. And now I'm I'm watching uh, the Baron Noir. Baron Noir is a, a French series uh, about the politics, about the PS. Uh, and the um, passion and the, the discussions that they have in the PAs the last years. And the book that I will recommend to read these day, days is uh, Plague and Cholera from um, Patrick Deville, a French guy uh, yeah. who wrote this this book that it's, it's a novel, but um, with a lot of stories of uh, science uh, facing uh, these pandemics. And it's a good reading uh, to these days. Yes. I saw that that was, uh, that was suggested a couple of times. Well, it's great uh, speaking to you, Javi, and thank you very much for your time. And thank you for joining us today. Um, if you want to, for the listeners, if you want to see more of what FEPS is doing on climate justice, please visit our website, feps-europe.eu. And um, for the rest, um, we'd like to thank you once again. It's been a pleasure. 
Um, see you next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. The pleasure is mine. Thank you, Javi. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.